Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This is always such a fun and kind of festive time in our, in our church rhythm on an annual basis as uh, you know, our Sunday school starts up today. We have new college students, returning students, new families coming into this place uh, all the time. And we give God thanks for all the wonderful things that he's doing here as we gather as his people to celebrate the fact that we are alive in Christ. If you were with us last week, we worshiped out in the field uh, and, and outside we focused on this statement that we are alive in Christ And when we make that statement that we are alive in Christ, it means that we believe that the God of all creation, who was and is and and will be forevermore, that that God took on flesh and blood, and he moved into this world and even into our own neighborhoods, into our homes and into our lives, and Jesus desires and offers us that we can have life in his name as he is with us always. Alive in Christ. This is the statement that we live by as a congregation. Alive in Christ. It states boldly who we are and who our God is that we worship. We are alive because our Savior Jesus, the Christ, is alive. And we believe that the Bible is quite clear about what it means to be the church, what it is that we're supposed to do, when we're supposed to do it, where we should be. Here at our congregation locally at St. Peter and Paul Lutheran Church in Houghton, Michigan, we organize our entire ministry into kind of three environments, basically. Worship, groups, and community. And over the next three weeks, we'll talk about each one of these individually, but we believe that it's good for God's people to gather regularly together in worship, to live out, and to experience the life that Jesus has for us. We do that in worship. We gather together and believe it's important for us to be in groups of people, building relationships with one another, studying together, playing together, caring for one another, that the body of Christ can be built up. And we also believe that it's important for truly and fully alive disciples in Jesus Christ to live in this community to be for the community, to live with the community so that the community and the world of Jesus Christ can know about the life that is in his name. Over the next three weeks, we'll talk about each one of these individually, but today we focus on this first one, worship. Frankly, this is a big part of what we do as the church. It's what we're doing right now, right? And for a lot of you, this worship gathering is a big part. Maybe, maybe it is the extent of your relationship to this congregation at this point. Maybe this is where most of your time with Jesus is spent, is on these Sundays in worship. If that's the case, I pray over these subsequent weeks that you'll dive deeper and deeper into a relationship with Jesus. But right now, here we are. Here we are. We're in God's house to worship and praise him. But why do we do this? What purpose is there for hundreds of you to be in this place on Sunday morning? I know you've thought about it before. I would imagine I have. Maybe you've thought to yourself, "Ah, I mean, I could believe in Jesus on my own. I can read the Bible on my own. I can pray on my own. 
I can Google anybody's sermons, even Pastor Aaron's sermon, and watch them online at home. I can do all this stuff on my own. Why in the world do I need to wake up early on a Sunday morning and be in a building with a bunch of other people that I may or may not like? What is the purpose of all of this? I know you've thought about it. It's all right. What are we doing here? These are great questions. And I'm going to try to provide a little bit of an answer for you today. It may not be satisfactory to answer all of those questions for you because there's a lot I could say about the reasons for being together, but I'll, I'll give it a couple of shots today. And if this is not completely satisfactory for you, I invite you at 10 o'clock after the service to join us for the adult Bible class in the gym where I'm going to dive even deeper into some of the rationale and historical and scriptural reasons for how we worship and why we do this on a weekly basis. But for now, let me start by saying it like this. At Saints Peter and Paul, we say it like this. We are alive in Christ, in worship, because God is for us and God is with us. We are alive in Christ, in worship, because God is for us and God is with us. Over these next three weeks, as we look at worship groups and community, we're going to focus on those capitalized words, in, for, and with. In will describe where it is that we have life. Just as we are alive in Christ, God has placed us in other places. We will focus on the word for as we learn who and what God is for and who is God's people we should be for. And then also with describes, once again, this full presence of God Almighty with us and our call to go and be with other people and with the world for their sake, in and for and with. Let me say it again. This is what we focused on last week, but it bears repeating God Almighty. Again, as I said in the children's lesson, this God that we think of sometimes as being out there, taking watch over his creation, that God stepped into the world and he took on flesh. His name was Jesus. He lived a perfect life, he died an innocent death, and he rose victoriously. And why did he do it? For us. For us. The God of all creation is for us. He's for you. This is good news. This God, he did all of this to be with you. God desires to be for you and with you. Would you say this with me, this statement, God is for us and God is with us? Can we say that together? God is for us and God is with us. Let's say it again. God is for us and God is with us. I think this is important for us to realize that our God is not against us. Our God's not against us, he's for us. I think the church gets a bad rap a lot of times uh, for making bold statements, and a lot of people think that we're just against things. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's good for us to emphasize what we are for and that God is for us. God is for us and God is with us. He is right here, right now, in this place, for us and with us. So how do we experience this in our worship environment, that, that God is for us? And God is with us. Well, what do we do here when we're, when we're together? I, I, let's just take a quick look at all the, the pieces of worship. And, and maybe not all of them, but some of the, some of the ones where, where we see God being for us. What have we done here so far today in the last half hour? 
You know how we began? We began with what we call the invocation. That's when we invoke the name of the triune God in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know why we do that? To remember our baptism. For those of you that are baptized, to go, God's not against me. He's for me. Okay. I'm baptized. I'm a a child of God. And for those of you who aren't baptized, it's an invitation to you to be baptized. We begin with the invocation. We sing praises to Him. Then we confess our sins. We come humbly to Him and we say, Lord, we need you in our lives. And what does Jesus do? He shows up. He speaks from, speaks from the mouth of the pastor, not just Aaron, but from the mouth, mouth of a pastor. That's my job is to be a spokesperson for Jesus. Speaks the words of forgiveness to you as though from Jesus himself. He's for you, to forgive you. We read the words of the Holy Scriptures, three readings, Old Testament, New Testament, a gospel lesson, that God's word, which we believe is living and active, steps into this place. And I don't know if you were fully present when Deb was reading or when we were together, but God's word was active and present, and he was working in your ears and in your lives in different kinds of ways as he does. God's for you. And then, and then pastor speaks a word of, of, word of hope, of comfort, of peace and joy and life and forgiveness in Jesus. The sermon is meant to be an explanation and application of the word of God. What else will we do? Later on, we're going to pray together as a church, coming together as a family, as though we are children sitting on the lap of our Heavenly Father, making our requests known to Him, so our Heavenly Father receives our petitions from us. We'll take part in a divine mystery here, in the Lord's Supper, just as Jesus took on flesh in this world, so He takes on, in a mysterious way, bread and wine for the forgiveness of of our sins. God is for us. He's with us. He's here. The spirit of the living God is among his people where two or three are gathered in his name. Here he is with us. And we do all of this, all of this. We do it as a family of God, a family of God that is truly and fully alive in Christ. Healthy families love to be together, right? Healthy families desire to be together. They long for reunions where they can converse and eat and celebrate and grieve and laugh and struggle. That's what families do. So too does the family of God gather together in this place to receive the good gifts of God. And in our worship, we long for that day of life everlasting when the family of God from all nations and tribes and tongues and languages We'll be together at the throne of God for all of eternity. We get a glimpse of it now. We are alive in Christ in worship because God's for us and God's with us. I don't know if you've heard the term before, but, and I don't know if it's just in Lutheran circles, but sometimes in Lutheran circles, uh, the worship service is actually called the divine service. I don't know if that rings a bell to you. At our late service in the hymnal, you, can, you could take it out and, uh, and take a look at, on, at your own leisure, but there are some different orders of worship we go through, and they're called the divine service. The divine service. What does that mean? Well, it kind of means what it, what it says. It, it's the divine God comes to serve us in worship. You know this? God comes to serve us in worship. 
here in this place, God promises to come and serve us. Yes, we respond in thanks and praise. We sing to him. We give him our offerings. But we do it because he first came to serve us. Jesus comes to serve us. This is what we read in the gospel lesson today from John 13. Did you see what happened in John 13? It's what we all read together. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. You know, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. I don't know if you know this story, but I remember as a kid sometimes thinking, wow, that's kind of gross. You know, the disciples must have, you know, had dirty feet. They wore sandals and they were walking outside. Their feet must have been gross and calloused and all that kind of stuff, right? I don't know. I think it might be more gross to wash a modern-day person's feet. You know, leather shoes and wet, damp socks, and they pull it off. I mean, can you... Sorry, is that too much? Is that, sorry, I, my, my mind. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. This is the point. All right, and, and, and how did he do it? How did he do it? He washed the disciples' feet. He, he knelt down, and he took the form of a servant. <laughs> he took the form of a servant. And what did Peter say to him? When he started doing this, Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? You shall never wash my feet. Peter called him Lord. When you have a Lord, that means you're the servant of the Lord. (laughs) You do what the Lord says and you serve the Lord. But here the Lord takes the form of the servant and the Lord serves the servant. And so Peter is baffled by this. He goes, you can't do this. And Jesus says to him, Peter, whoever doesn't have their feet washed by me and made clean by me has no share in me. And so Peter responds, okay then, don't just wash my feet, wash all of me. (laughs) I want you, Lord. All right, I I want to follow you, Lord, but this does not make sense to me. Do you see how Jesus comes to us? He comes humbly. He comes in humility. He makes himself lesser and he makes us greater. Humility sure doesn't sell in this culture. I don't think. Self-promotion sells. (laughs) Being loud and boisterous, obnoxious, self-promotion is what seems to get you ahead. I think we all know inherently that this should not be true, that we should live lives of humility, Yet, we get sucked into this all of the time as well. I was talking to a friend recently. He's, he's a, a really smart guy, a kind man. He's the kind of guy that you want to be a friend. He, he's a teacher and he's a coach. And he was wrestling through this reality of in his profession, at least in his circle, all of the people are, are trying to promote themselves, trying to get that next step ahead, trying to maybe not even blatantly but put other people down to, to get that next step in career or advance or whatever. And he was wrestling with this reality. He didn't want to live that way. He wanted to live in humility, right? And he's the kind of guy that's smart enough, capable enough, got a great personality that he could do whatever he wanted and make himself advance. But he was really wrestling with this reality of being a humble person and letting God work through that humility. In my experience, I believe humility is contagious. Think of it. I don't, has anybody ever treated you humbly? Like, built you up, 
giving you gifts, thought of you when you didn't deserve it and lessened themselves by doing so. In, in my experience, humility is contagious. When somebody treats me humbly, all of a sudden it snaps me into this reality of saying, whoa, they really went out of their way for me. I, I, I need to live that way in response to others as well. This is why we worship. This is why we praise the name of Jesus Christ for that very reason. Because Jesus came to us humbly and Jesus came to serve us. This Jesus that we worship, we read about it last week in John chapter 1. It says God took on flesh and blood and he made his dwelling among us. And today in in the book of Philippians chapter 2, You can take it out if you want, but I'll recite it for you. It it describes the process of humility that Jesus took. It says that God took on human form. He humbled himself by becoming a human, which is true. He took a step down from his almighty place. But that wasn't enough humility for him. It says he took the form of a servant, that kind of human. But that wasn't humble enough. So he became obedient to the point of death. But not even that was humble enough. Our God from all of eternity took on and became obedient to death on a criminal's cross. And he did it for you and for me because he's for us and he desires to be with us and he's not against us. And he didn't spare his own son, but he gave him up so that we could have life and have it to all of eternity. But Jesus didn't stay dead. From there, God raised him from the dead And he exalted him and set him in the highest place so that at the name of Jesus, every tongue could confess and every knee would bow down in heaven and on earth and under the earth and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is why we worship and praise our God because God came all the way down to us. God came to meet us in our mess and to heal our brokenness. And so we worship him. And worship is a conversation. It's this conversation where where God speaks to us and we respond in thanks. And God gives to us and we respond in thanks. It is a conversation between God and us. And because God serves us, why would we not respond in thanks and praise? I tell you again, God is for you and God is with you. In this place, but also always, He wants you to know that you are dearly loved by him. And he wants you to have a life that is fully present with him. He goes with you. He's always for you, to forgive you. He wants you to have a life that's fully present in this world. And as a family of God, we do this together. Again, I said healthy families desire to be together. They long to be together. And I give God thanks that that is what he has given us here in this place at Saints Peter and Paul. We desire to be a family of God, a healthy family of God that's truly and fully alive in Jesus Christ. We long to be together. And I tell you, I am so thankful to be your pastor. And I love being with you. Let's go as we continue to serve Jesus, worshiping him, gathering together in groups and serving boldly in this community. We go in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I just want to share two quick announcements as well uh, before we stand up and and sing the creed. I mentioned it, 
but, but I want to emphasize it as well. At 10 o'clock, I'll teach an adult Bible class in the gym today during Sunday school. We're going to dive deeper into, into the uh, kind of historical reasons for worship and what this all means about why we do what we do. And also, one more thing, we have about 120 people, which is awesome, gathered in small group Bible studies throughout the week. Uh, there are other materials that, that piggyback off of the sermons and allow for further discussion. Some of you may not be in a group, but I I'd be happy to make the materials available to you. You could get together as a family or as a, as a neighborhood and continue to have these conversations. Uh, and so if you want those materials, please reach out to me. I'd be happy to get them to you.